Welcome, everybody, to the NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of August 25th, 2023. Here is what's making headlines. Sony dubs Project Q the PlayStation Portal. Denuvo offers built-in protection on Nintendo Switch and Unreal Engine. Charles Martinet stepping away as the voice of Mario. And Overwatch 2 director responds to Review Bomb on Steam. My name is Travis Sherman, and as always, for the Weekly News Roundup, I am joined by Kyle Inman. Kyle, it's been a couple weeks. It has been. You've been out on vacation, you started seeing this new girl, you've been... Uh, you went and bought Sonic Frontiers. You've been doing yeah, all these crazy things with your life. Quite the adventure here recently. And not just Sonic Frontiers, but uh, Bomb Rush, Cyberfunk. Um, oh, yes. And, as well as uh, Dr. Fetus's Mean Meat Machine from the uh, Super Meat Boy series. I was just about to ask if that was something Super Meat Boy related because I had never heard it of is. it before. It is. Um, it's kind of like... Oh, man. The only way I can describe it is like a cross between a demented version of Dr. Mario and Puyo Pop um, that if you hit any of the obstacles that they inadvertently put in the uh, the level and they change randomly sometimes in the level, it seems like um, you have to start from either a checkpoint or from the beginning. So it, it's got a whole other aspect to it, but it it's quite a bit of fun actually and of course bomb rush cyberfunk that one is is amazing all, all the reviews are true it it is definitely the the new spiritual successor of uh, jet grind radio haven't had much time to put into it unfortunately um but it, it's it's been fantastic but what have you been up to the last two weeks oh let's see besides kids hurting themselves and having to visit the er uh, I ended up having to rebuild my operating system on my computer. Windows 11 just finally wasn't doing it for me. It just kept on causing problems up and down, left and right. And so I finally just said, screw it, and ended up purchasing a Windows 10 Pro key and got Windows 10 reinstalled on my computer, and everything has been running beautifully since. And what's interesting is I decided to install Farming Simulator 2022 for some reason. And let's just say even on easy mode, you can really screw up a lot pretty quick. It doesn't matter how much they hand you with like, here, here's a farm. Here are some tractors. Here's how you do all mm -hmm. this stuff. You can screw everything up pretty freaking quick. So oh, I gotta, I've already got to start over and figure out what I'm doing again. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, now that's I, really been my thing. I can honestly say um, mods are my best friend on that game. Uh, I, I, can affirm that uh government subsidized farming has been part of every farm that i've ever worked on dude no kidding no kidding what happens in real life seems to happen in video games or vice versa fun yeah. stuff well with all that let's since we haven't done it for a couple weeks let's hop right into it with the news and the first piece of news this week is the uh playstation project q has been officially announced as the playstation portal and will launch towards the end of this year for 199 US dollars. And uh, it's exactly what we had seen previously in their their demonstration or their little like teaser video. Um and it's basically what we expected it to be. However, 
for a lot of other things, it seems to actually be even less than what some people were expecting it to be. We're talking about a device that has an 8-edge screen that will uh, do 1080p resolution at 60 FPS. Um, it does feature the newer Wi-Fi uh, 6. However, one of the big things about it, though, is that it is specifically for streaming console games from your PlayStation 5 to this, to the portal, and nothing else. It is literally just a second screen for the PlayStation 5. And for $200, that's not really the end of the world. It's definitely below the price point I think a lot of people are expecting. But for what this thing could potentially have done, I don't know. It's a little weird. It is definitely weird. Um, I, I feel like you are paying what you're paying for what you're getting um in a sense i you're you're basically buying a, a 70 dollar controller and a 120 dollar screen plus tax you know so it, it it's basically the same price i guess i i just don't understand who this is for um the the whole the whole premise of it yeah it's got a nice price point at 199 dollars but it unfortunately on release we we found does not utilize the PlayStation Cloud. Um, it will only use the that that PlayStation supported sound. So no Bluetooth that we know of on on there. Um, which just really a bizarre move, especially since Sony also makes a huge line of headphones. So all of a sudden they they've you know cut out. I I, I can't use my XM4s or XM5s. I you know won't be able to use these $300 headphones that I purchased from them previously. I have to go buy PlayStation headphones to use them aside from having a PlayStation in general. So all of a sudden this $200 purchase is what um, eight, $900 in, just in order to use. Yeah. That's where I find it a little strange is that one thing that Sony has been really good about since the PlayStation three is that they've adapted to using Bluetooth technology for all of their wireless capability. Uh, specifically for controllers and accessories, not the the networking part. But mm -hmm. that's been one of their big selling points. So if you have a Bluetooth headset that you are very fond of, you can use that on a PlayStation. And that's been the way it, it's been going for the last couple of generations. However, with this, yeah, you're right. They're going the route of Microsoft by having a proprietary wireless uh, wireless technology that they're calling PlayStation Link, and the only way you can attach any headset to it is it has to be their proprietary headsets, which they mm -hmm. did announce there are two of them. There's going to be Bluetooth earbuds that I think are around like uh, $150 to $200, and then there's even the over-the-head headset that's roughly the same price, if not a little bit more. It's, mm -hmm. very, it's very strange that Sony would go this way, but one thing I want to make clear about all of this though is the tablet itself that this device is running android at the end of all of this we saw leaks previously where someone someone it looked like in china probably someone at the manufacturing plant had one of these in hand and was actually looking at an android ui on this without even booting into anything playstation related and that at least tells us that there are capabilities on this thing outside of what Sony is already showing off right now. And the only way we're going to get to some of that is by those who root 
or uh, and jailbreak devices, uh, such as Android devices, are going to be able to get in and potentially get something else running on this. And we might discover stuff where there is a Bluetooth chip in there that's not enabled. We might discover, hey, 16 gigs of storage in this thing is perfectly fine, especially if you're going to use it to stream games over the cloud. But it's so strange that Sony would lock this into their console that they would lock this into their environment and not start that kind of next phase of things expanding out into their other offerings. Yeah, their, especially their with all the, service. Exactly, especially with all the competition they have right now from Microsoft with uh, cloud streaming. All the arguments that they made with cloud streaming in the fight with the FCC, of course, um, and uh, Microsoft over the Activision Blizzard acquisition. It's really strange Sure, they might be releasing this, and maybe they're going to set it up for a future thing that says, oh, now, you know, in this firmware update, we're making it so you can stream games from the cloud, from our cloud services, to play PlayStation games this way, and you don't need a PlayStation 5. I, but will it be too little too late? You know, I I almost think so at this point. Um, and I, I hate to be that, that guy, but I, I look back in the day uh, when... The PSP had a SIM card slot. Um, you know, you you could get cellular service on the the PSP to download stuff pretty much anywhere, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, I think it was the PSP had one model that had like three G in it, and I think the P- no no no, mm-hmm. it was the Vita that did. No, the PSP didn't have any oh, cellular technology. I okay. think the, I think the PSP Go might have had something, but. Because that one didn't rely on cartridges. That one had to rely on connecting up to the internet to download games to it. And um, I think the Vita was the first one with a cellular tech in it. I don't think the PSP had something. But even so. I'll I'll be the first to admit that I was very late to each of PlayStation's handheld's previous games. Um, So I I know that one of them had the, the... cellular service that you could get and i i want to say it was through at&t for sure um but that's right you know the the fact that they've had the cellular service they've had the ability to get data to a device before um with a plan if you if you really wanted why haven't they tried to see if they could go that route i mean if they're already giving you basically a 200 dollars unit i mean they they could opt another fifty dollars to put a cellular card in there, and you know you just pay for service, even if it's just for data service on your current existing plan, or or some way to piggyback it off of a plan if you had uh, certain carriers. Um, that that would open up this device a whole lot more than you know just being able to say, oh, I can sit on a Wi-Fi connection and play my PlayStation that you know maybe in the same household or maybe you know, in, in a different room, maybe in a different house, but regardless, you're still tied to your PlayStation. You're not going to be accessing that cloud network. And I think that's, that's the big thing that they need. If they're, if they're making a cloud device, give it the cellular service, give, you know, or at least the option of cellular service and, you know, give full access to your, your cloud, give, or just put the Bluetooth chip in it, or at least, blatantly state that there is a bluetooth chip in it and and that you will be able to use those headsets if if you have a sony headset previously like like i said i i have xm4 earbuds and i have 
I mean, the the headphones that I wear every day at my computer are Sony headphones that I that I've used for years, and I mm-hmm. I would love to use those headphones on something like this, but I can't all of a sudden. Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of hoping that the modders and even when we see like iFixit get it in their hands at the end of the year when this is supposed to release and tear it down and actually see what the chipsets are in there, it may come as a surprise to a lot of us to actually see what's underneath the hood here. I mean, granted, it's it's running Android, so obviously it's got to have some sort of storage underneath there, but it doesn't need much to be able to support a lot of these right. other things out there. And then and at least it becomes something... Yeah, but then it becomes something formidable, at least in the sense of the battery life supposedly that's supposed to be in this thing, which is somewhere around seven to eight hours is the is the rumored battery life on it, just based on what has been said so far about the dual sense controller portion of the portal that it's supposed to be very comparable to just a dual sense controllers battery life. So take that as you will, but right. as of right now, it's kind of interesting to see exactly what's going to uh, happen going forward. Um, but in the meantime, again, 199 us dollars, it's supposed to be releasing later this year. And if you have a PlayStation five and you really want a second screen to be able to play on instead of using your TV, then Hey, there's something there for you. If not, I guess we'll see what Sony has planned for this device coming up here in the near future. Then it's very strange, very strange. And I, I really hope to see some, some form of early jailbreaking, like right out the gate. But, um, I don't know, just with, you know, seeing the tablet in and of itself, it, it's, it's hard to say. And it is definitely a wait and see because I, I feel like, we really haven't experienced a device like this before where i i mean granted uh what was it uh asus had their was it was it asus that had the cloud streaming device recently logitech logitech um i mean there's that but that still was more of a tablet too if i'm not mistaken it wasn't it yeah it, it was yeah. it was definitely an android device but it had a launcher on it that would let you basically open up any of those cloud streaming services like right there on a nice gaming tailored style launcher like with xbox uh cloud streaming uh geforce now uh steam's remote link uh all of those different uh things were right there that you could get to as a gamer without having to go and do anything weird but so yeah it'll be interesting to see what this is really capable of because it doesn't have access to all those extra features that the the Logitech device has. So definitely interesting to see. Hopefully, um, when, when did they say the uh, release window was on that one? It said later this year. So I've got to imagine okay. that we'll see something come up probably, probably around October is when we'll get an official release date. Yeah, and we're probably looking at a November, early November release date, I imagine. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Well, let's carry on here to the next bit of news we have. This is kind of crazy itself. It's two different stories here, but it's all wrapped around Denuvo. Uh, so Denuvo has announced official support for the Nintendo Switch, um, making the Denuvo software available to Nintendo Switch game developers to basically, like a lot of the talk here is really more towards preventing emulation of Nintendo Switch games on PC. 
And I mean, it go, it's literally like what their press release says here. It says, by blocking unauthorized emulations on PC, studios are able to increase their revenue during the game launch window, which is the most important period for monetization. The Nintendo Switch emulator protection will ensure that anyone wishing to play the game has to buy a legitimate copy. So what will happen with this, though, now is that uh, Denuvo will uh, at least be capable of being baked into your Switch title if you're a Switch game developer. So that way, with the current situation of people dumping the games, if they can get their hands on them super early, like what happened with Tears of the Kingdom, for example, um, and play those on an emulator on their computer, then, you know, this is to prevent all of that happening. But... I think for you and I, Kyle, we've talked a couple times about Denuvo, and I think it's very well known in the industry that Denuvo can be kind of a slog on performance. It can be. Yes, very much so. But it, it also makes me wonder, because this is, if I'm not mistaken, the first time we've ever actually seen it on a cartridge game. So I, I'm not sure how to interpret that. I, I mean... um is it something that it, it's going to just check the cartridge or, you know, and that being said, um, we've always, you know, within usually weeks of uh, Denuvo being announced that it's being on a game and whatnot and the release of the game. Uh, it seems like it's usually a few weeks, but we do see a Denuvo crack that will remove the Denuvo or trick the Denuvo to to stop functioning, essentially. Um, so it kind of makes me wonder how long it's going to take someone to run a program that just interprets the Denuvo for you, and then you'll just be able to put it on your computer anyway. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious how this is going to function. Like you said, we've we've seen Denuvo before, and it's generally been on either your disc games, your digital downloads, but then it requires some sort of online connection to be able to handle mm -hmm. the the uh, the DRM portion of it. However, because of the Switch being as limited on power as it is, granted, we know what it's capable of, I wonder if there could have been some sort of firmware update that's already gone out that will interact with the Nuvo in a way as a sort of uh, checks and balances system so that way it's like the Denuvo will authenticate or authorize off of being actually in a physical switch mm -hmm. instead of, you know, requiring that online-only connectivity to be able to uh, refresh what it needs to refresh underneath the hood. I wonder if there could be something like that. It's a possibility. I I don't know. I, I, I just... The fact that they have to put it in, it, it, it just sucks. I wish there was some way around it or some, you know, something that they could do other than Denuvo because of the the impedance on performance it can cause to, to systems. And I, being as that the Switch already, you know, suffers sometimes, I, I, I feel like, you know, this is too too little too late or way too much too late I, I i'm not even certain how to interpret it but um maybe it is their next step into you know preparing for the switch to um to ensure mm -hmm. that their titles won't you know be further pirated if they continue to come out with you know just regular switch titles i mean it not to say that it'll be called a switch Two, but um you know what i'm saying though oh yeah i do i do um what I guess it 
doesn't make sense here on is that it like at least what sticks out here is that there's no indication that this needs to be uh that this will be a mandatory thing for developers it seems like of course if you want de novo you obviously have to pay into it it's not a free thing that a developer can go download and incorporate mm-hmm. in there's got to be some uh money exchanged here to make this work so the question is is where how far is that going to go i imagine first party titles with nintendo they're going to be doing this stuff with their own titles i imagine third party titles from your big developers like ubisoft ea uh activision blizzard for example i have a feeling they're going to be the ones to adopt a lot of that stuff your indie titles unless they're very popular like big money making ones where they feel like they have to put something in because they don't want to interrupt their revenue stream you know they'll do that but otherwise i don't see this being adopted like widespread across all of the Nintendo developers because there's a bottom line for indie developers and they're not going to take that gamble, you know, to to alienate their core player base or the potential player base by putting in something that we know to be a resource hog. Yeah, and the the whole resource hog thing I think is especially what Nintendo needs to avoid right now. Um especially seeing how, you know, Granted, Tears uh, Tears of the Kingdom runs fairly well, but I mean, even it at times can seem to have a few hitches. But going forward, you know, if too many more games try and push that envelope, that that's gonna be it. <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's gonna be the big thing. That that's yeah. gonna be the big thing. Like, especially with all these promises of things coming to the Switch from you know Microsoft with the Activision Blizzard deal. Yes. But- yes. With the rest of the Denuvo stuff here, though, um, besides Denuvo and its Nintendo Switch uh, deal going on, now it looks like there is going to be a baked-in function for Unreal Engine called Unreal Engine Protection. So Unreal Engine Protection is designed to prevent malicious users from manipulating games created using Unreal Engine. Uh, apparently, they go. On, it goes on to say that it uh, will effectively thwart data mining attempts and create formidable barriers against cheat creators, pirates, and fraudsters. Uh, so, this is an interesting one because the modding community, especially with all the different software in that, or all the different games out there, is definitely pretty big. I mean, we look at like the mods, say in Fortnite, for example. We look at the stuff that's happened in GTA Five. Um, you know, a, a lot of those mods aren't necessarily for the sake of evil. A lot of them are for it, like enhancing or furthering the experience of the game or by just being outright silly. But right. what this introduces apparently, though, is the inability, like apparently makes it so that way. And, and this is what Denuvo even says here. It says shields Unreal Engine game data files against decryption, blocks the use of in-game debug consoles and conceals entry points to deter game modification. So it's basically saying we're going to basically allow this as a feature set in Unreal Engine to basically lock you out from doing any of these things you may have already been doing. Um, It's interesting why they'd be releasing something here. I mean, I guess obviously it's an maybe it's an ask or it could just be a third party plugin from Denuvo for your Unreal Engine client Mm -hmm. so you can bake it in. But I guess they replied to... um, uh, to Video Games Chronicle here, who actually reached out to find out some more detail. Uh, they said, Denuvo is committed to safeguarding gaming experiences and our anti-piracy solutions, which have garnered widespread adoption across the industry. Uh, uh, 
allow for modding. There's something wrong here with the way this is typed up. Uh, to maintain our commitment to gaming security, Denuvo also continuously strives to meet the growing need of gaming developers. With their needs in mind, we have released a new optional feature for game uh, games created using Unreal Engine, which aims to shield against publicly available tools that are more often used for malicious purposes rather than modding in general. So I wonder if there could be some sort of like toggles or something that says, we're going to put this in here, but what we'll allow is certain level access you know it's like you want to create mods okay you can do that but you don't need access to these certain binaries or these certain things that you that might mine data out or whatever you know there might be things of that nature but um at least the fact that it's optional again just like what we were talking about with the nintendo side that you don't have to go pay that developers will not have to go pay money for uh for this like by default um it's good to see at least that it's optional but at the same time I wish Denuvo would get its act together on some of these things, though, too. I mean, I know they're in the the, the place to make money in that, but, like, and I also know sometimes that game developers can get really annoyed with gamers who go and data mine and some stuff that ends up leaking out that, you know, obviously we shouldn't be seeing yet anyway, but is baked into the code. I don't know. I mean, Denuvo just keeps on rubbing everybody the wrong way. I'm surprised that they're still even in business. Yeah, it kind of shocks me, too. And especially since it's been an ongoing problem for years. I mean, it it, gamers rejoice. It seems like when it when it's a small victory, when Denuvo's cracked on games just because it will typically improve performance. I remember uh, specifically here recently with uh, Resident Evil Village actually being one of the more major ones uh, that that actually once the denuvo was cracked it it uncapped the frame rate and it did all sorts of nice things to the game that that just made it run a whole heck of a lot smoother and it was it was really and truly just denuvo doing it or the fact that doom Inter- doom eternal actually had a non denuvo version baked into it so when you downloaded it it was just a different executable you just had to launch from within the game files and you, that was it you were just set to go yeah uh, that was the funny part. They did patch all that stuff out as far as I'm aware, but that was still funny that they made that to the final launch. Right. Um, but as it stands right now, at least with what we were talking about there with the Nintendo Switch and stuff in Unreal Engine, it's all optional for the developers. Denuvo has definitely rubbed a lot of developers and gamers the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this doesn't necessarily mean that every single game that shows up on the Switch or every game made with Unreal Engine is going to have it. But... Be aware, though, of course, that this is out there now for developers. So if if you know you start seeing some funkiness, you start seeing something weird, and they hadn't announced that it was Denuvo, you know, running on there, maybe there is something running there. Maybe Denuvo is hiding in the background, right? And it very well could be, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. But of course, with that sad news, we carry on to more sad news here. Uh, it was announced this week that Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario is stepping down from his role. Uh, So apparently he will be moving to a position known as Mario ambassador. And he is going to be uh, per NPR is going to be traveling around the world to promote the beloved plumber, signing autographs and performing Nintendo character voices. Uh, So of course, uh, Charles Martinet has been the voice of Mario for uh, well over uh, 20, 30 years now. 
And he not only has voiced Mario, but he's done Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, as well as a bunch of other background characters, too. Like, I think he did Toad as well. Oh, wow. At one point, I guess that I think, makes sense, though. Yeah, and he did some other voices as well. He may not necessarily done Toad. There, there, there was something I was seeing about him, and I think the voice came up, but I can't remember if it was 100% him or if he was just trying. Um, and then, of course, he did have a cameo in the most recent uh, Super Mario Brothers movie. He actually played uh, Mario and Luigi's dad. Oh, really? So that was his voice there, yeah. his Basically, his regular voice. Um, so... It's really cool, you know, the fact that um that you know he's been able to do it for so long. It definitely is a shame that mm-hmm. he is uh that you know that he'll be stepping into this position instead, but he is definitely up there in age. I mean, there must be something that they that Nintendo saw that was like you have contributed a lot to this character. Now it's time to move into this next phase of things where uh, you know uh, I guess maybe it's not as uh, impactful to you, so to speak. But I guess nothing against Charles Martinet, but I don't know how many times you can really re-record "Wahoo, Yippee!" and and "Let's a Go," you know. Um, yeah, I but mean, I get. Don't get me wrong. There's been variations of the the voice lines, yeah. and they, they've added new ones over the years. But you're absolutely right. How many t- how many times can you go into the studio and just record the same, you know? 40 voice lines plus you know 10 more this time or so on and so forth um but i i mean it, it is cool that he will be stepping into an ambassador role with with the company so yeah but the biggest thing though at least that we have been made aware of uh as of the announcement though and kotaku had reported on this is that uh Charles Martinet will not actually be, for the first time, he will not be the voice of Mario in the upcoming Super Mario game, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. So that will be a a brand new Mario voice actor, I guess Mario, Luigi, any of the other characters that he would play, he, he will not be in that game. He will not be there at all. So when we get this drop for, uh, uh, for Super Mario Brothers Wonder here towards the end of the year, um, it's not going to be him. So it's definitely already been in the works then for him to be, I guess, out Uh, because obviously this game had to go through development. Audio had to be recorded. Everything had to be done. And I'm sure that this game is probably in the midst of being printed right now, given that it's going to release in October. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the voice of Mario in the next Mario game will not be Charles Martinet. So the last game that he was in really was probably what... Um. Super Mario Party, maybe? I mean, like, what was the last, like, title that was a Mario title? I mean, they had Mario Party, um, shoot, uh, Luigi's Mansion, um, but beyond that, I'm trying to remember, oh, uh, the Bowser's Fury. Yeah, so you had Super Mario 3D World, Bowser's Fury, you had Mario Golf Super Rush, Mario Party Superstars, uh, Mario Strikers, and then Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. So it's very possible that Sparks of Hope could have been his very last Mario game then. I if he if that. he did that, or if it was just... Well, if it was his voice lines that just were duplicated over from another Mario game like you know Odyssey right. or something, it's still him, though. But right. needless to say, that means that Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope was his last title from 2022. Crazy. 
No kidding. So it's as sad as it is, of course, you know, time does move on and there will always be uh, someone to play Mario. But I think for at least us who have grown up playing Mario since the very, very early days, that's the voice we know. So it's going to be kind of interesting to hear somebody different. And I hope that they, whoever it is, holds it very well, as long as it's not Chris Pratt. Yeah, I honestly feel like in the game realm, though, they probably will try and stick to a about the same tonal inflections and and voice. So I don't see Mario's voice changing too much. Um, I've heard rumors that, you know, they've voice lines that have been heard from uh, Wonder don't sound too terribly different uh, from Charles Martinet. So it, I don't know. It, It might be hard to say if you can really even tell the difference. And, you know, there there is always AI software that you could just literally train to to be Mario off of his voice. Yeah, and of course, th- that's a whole other gray area with AI audio, anyway. Given, of course, it's a right. concern right now with the writers uh, writers guild, so and the actors guild. So I don't know. I hope they don't necessarily go that far, but you know, at least he has some pretty good hand, lines out there recorded, anyway. It would immortalize him forever as the video game mario so that is that is one thing that's true i think for a lot of us though for all the mario games we've been playing so far i think he's pretty well immortalized if you tell me very true very true yeah so let's carry on to our last main story here for the week and that is in regards to overwatch 2 so uh overwatch 2 director aaron keller uh, has gone on the record talking about the uh, review bombing that's been going on over on Steam since Overwatch 2 launched in the last couple weeks. Uh, talking with uh, GamesRadar, he goes on to say, uh, or he was actually just a blog post that GamesRadar referenced, uh, says, we also launched on Steam last week, and although being review bombed isn't a fun experience, it's been great to see lots of new players jump into Overwatch 2 for the first time. Our goal with Overwatch 2 has been to make the game more accessible than ever for more people than ever before. So, yeah, being review bombed right now, I'm looking at steamdb.info for Overwatch 2. It currently sits at a uh, 10.61% uh, rating with 15,513 positive reviews and 147,424 negative reviews with 9.52% of the reviews uh, being positive. So what it sounds like here, at least based on the reviews here, is that this review bomb is actually a lot of it's coming out of China, apparently, Um, or at least this is what the information is. I guess a lot of people have been going through the reviews and looking at the way that sentence structures put together a lot of the uh, a lot of the 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 word structures and have been noticing that these all seem to match more of like a a Chinese tone when when writing out English. Um, And a lot of that could be attributed to the fact that it's not very easy to get access to Blizzard titles anymore in China, given the uh, tumultuous situation that uh, Activision Blizzard got into with NetEase for redistribution of Blizzard titles in China. Since you can't get uh, Overwatch 2, you can't get Dota, you can't get, or uh, not Dota, excuse me, that's a Steam title. You can't get Overwatch 2, you can't get StarCraft, you can't do uh, Warcraft, you can't basically do any of those over there in China. Yeah, and so... And that, that's the big thing. And so a lot of the current understanding here right now is that that's where a lot of this is coming from. And 
a lot of the reviews, though, of course, too, talk about, um, you know, and there are some, of course, obviously legitimate because you have a lot of people upset about the lack of PVE that was announced when the game was announced in 2019 that has since been cut and stricken from the uh, uh, stricken from the game. But at the end of it right now, I mean, there's at least in Steam DB and Info, it's reporting 22,582 playing on Steam alone. And that's not necessarily a small number, but I, I I don't know. I mean, like, what do you think of this review bombing situation, though, Kyle? I mean, it's it's not necessarily a uh, it's it's not necessarily a shock to see, but at the same time, it's just it's I don't know. I don't know what to really make of it. Um, I don't know. I I think review bombing is stupid, honestly. Um, and if you remember back, what was it two years ago? At one point, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the website now uh, that that does the reviews, that they actually turned off um, the user reviews for the first two weeks on games. Um, that you, you couldn't actually see the metrics for user reviews or submit um, any user reviews uh, for games because it was, uh, games were getting so badly review bombed at that particular time um and it, it it wasn't even necessarily that the game some of the games were bad it's just that people were doing it just to be jerks essentially and it it's kind of pathetic honestly i i understand if you you're upset about you know certain aspects of a game but um especially you know if it if it has to do with the fact that I, I guess that some of the uh, users may be Chinese and unable to access it and, and having problems with that and whatnot. Um, I guess I, I, I can get being miffed about that, but that that's no reason to review bomb a game. The, the PV, uh, E thing, it, it is a little annoying. We, we kind of discussed that when the, uh, they first launched the invasion event, um, and you were able to purchase the missions that, it's so weird that we should have been getting those from the beginning of Overwatch 1. But, you know, such is life. I mean, we, we, we paid for Overwatch 1. We enjoyed it. We, we've played a lot of Overwatch 2. Um, and it's nice to actually have the missions. And I I get, you know, that they're they're hard at work. And they, they've got, you know, all sorts of stuff going on in the background there, too. But it also feels a little lackluster for what we paid for. To the same effect um mm-hmm. i feel like i should have gotten more this season um for at, at, at least uh well maybe even especially you because you you paid for the invasion thing you didn't necessarily pay for the battle pass whereas i paid for the invasion and the battle pass it was like buying a brand new game again essentially um and yeah three missions what what's that about why why am i why am i feeling cheated in that that sense so maybe I get that a little bit um, from the review bombs, but um, I would hope that some of them are at least legitimate, not just people being assholes. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting hodgepodge of where things could be. I mean, obviously, of course, there you have your trolls, you have your people who like to feed in because they obviously it's like it's for the lulls. You know, you go back to the days mm-hmm. of old 4chan and Anon and all that, but. Um, at the same time, I mean, yeah, I mean, there are legitimate criticisms. There is no review pain or anything like that in Battle.net. 
And so, of course, having that Steam storefront and being able to go in and review is definitely a big deal. It's where a lot of people go to get feedback on what players think of a title. Not not necessarily reviewers in the sense of of like what you'd see for like IGN or or GameSpot or Game Informer or whatever like that. These are for the people who have actually been playing it or at least in some capacity, you know, uh, have played it maybe on a different platform. But needless to say, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it weighs more towards the the trolls than it does the actual legitimate reviews. Yeah, yeah, and it it's sad that, you know, there's there's no real way necessarily to say, oh, well, the, these people are just, you know, troll reviewers because there there are some people that uh they they write legitimately bad reviews over over things that they might hate. But on the other hand, you might have someone that is I I guess a really good writer um they they might sound like they are writing a legitimate review and they are just talking crap on a game because they they don't like the game and that's the unfortunate part mm-hmm. exactly that's that is the unfortunate part and it's always going to be the unfortunate part but we'll still yeah. enjoy it you know we'll still have fun with it it's still i enjoy the story missions that have come out so far I enjoy playing it still. You know, there's always good times oh, yeah. and bad times, but that's the way with any game. So I'm definitely in more of the minority on that part that at least that's sometimes what it feels like is that I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I I fully agree. I've been thoroughly enjoying it so far. So there we go. But with that part, at least, that is it for the main stories for this week. So we move on to the last bit of the news for this week with the quest markers with Kyle. Kyle, what do we got in the quest markers this week? So, for our first quest marker this evening, or I guess this week, um, the Atari is releasing the 2600+, plus, uh, which will play original cartridges. Yes, that me- the Atari is re-releasing an original console again. Um, Atari announced, announced on Tuesday the 2600+, plus, a near-faithful recreation of the 46-year-old console, and the design of the console is near one-for-one with the predecessor with cartridge slot joysticks, um, toggle switches on the front, and matching um, neatly five dec- the, the five-decade-old system. Uh, the only major difference really in- in- to- that seems to be included on it is the inclusion of an HDMI port, which will actually allow you to play on a modern TV, thank God. Um, as well as USB support uh, for, uh, or a, U- and a uh, USB port and support for multi-resolution. Um, the console will support uh, 500 Atari 2600 games, as well as nearly uh, 50 uh, 7800 cartridges as well. Oh, yeah. um, and if you don't have cartridges, don't fret. They are actually coming out with new games, and they, they did announce a, a slew of, of cartridges, as well as a 10-in-1 cartridge uh, that will accompany the console, uh, containing some of the most popular titles, including Adventure, Missile Command, and Yar- Yar's Revenge. Yeah. So, the, like, Adventure and Yar's Revenge totally make that cartridge, and the, the thing worth it, almost, I would say. Um, the Atari 2600 Plus is set to release in November and is only $200. So you could probably buy that instead of a Project Q 
and yeah. you'd have a better value. You'd have more fun. Yeah, you would potentially have more fun. <laughs> and you, you'd get to show it off to your kids and be like, this is what your, your grandparents used to play. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. And in our next quest marker, uh, Microsoft finally ends production of the Kinect. Um, while we never saw the Kinect for the Xbox Series line, and it disappeared from the Xbox One ecosystem, it doesn't mean that the Kinect has gone away for good. Until now. Uh, Microsoft officially announced that it will be discontinuing the Azure Night development kit with the availability of the device through the end of October. Uh, Kinect was originally an add-on accessory for the th Xbox 360 as a way to compete with motion controls of the Nintendo Wii, but by using a camera sensor to track the player instead of the controller, uh, when the Xbox was announced, uh, the Microsoft indicated that the Kinect would come packaged in with all the uh, consoles, regardless if the players wanted them or not. Microsoft, of course, backtracked on this and started selling the Xbox Ones without the Kinect bundled in it. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of a big debacle. Um, but the Kinect fell into obscurity as gaming, um, ex or as an, a gaming accessory, but became widely used for its motion tracker capabilities, as well as its depth sensory capabilities and high-quality camera for things such as robotics and automation. Uh, Microsoft will continue to support the software and SDK for the Kinect to the foreseeable future, but has provided recommendations on other third-party hardware to fill the void. Um, you know, I honestly can say for the 360, I never used the Kinect that my uh, system came with. I had I, uh, the, um, the one that I actually got with the Kinect. I don't remember the Halo one coming with the Kinect, but my Star Wars one did. And I never plugged it in, never played the Star Wars Kinect game, uh, didn't bother playing any other Kinect games, and I, I had my Xbox One Kinect that came with my day one system specifically for voice commands. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, just so I could say Xbox On, and it would, it would come on when I walked into the room, and then I could, you know, get going on the game while I was making something or whatever for dinner. Or like but, the people who troll and set their name to, uh, like in Call of Duty, saying it like the Xbox turn off, and so people would go and read the name out loud and shut off their consoles. Yeah, yeah. That that, that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I have seen it utilized in in um, other fields. I, I When I was out in Philadelphia, um, we my family and I went to a Marvel event that they had at the... Uh, Franklin Institute, and it was just about, you know, uh, Stanley and, and Kirby, and uh, that, you know, their kind of development of the, the heroes and of the, the genre, and um, I don't know, it was really cool, but one of the things they had set up was they could turn you into a superhero with a Kinect. Unfortunately, the day I was visiting, go figure, the Kinect was down. <laughs> Go figure. So, yeah, um, that seemed to be a, uh, an issue with my Kinect at home, but who's to say if that was the, you know, an overall lying issue? But that being said, farewell, Kinect. And 
then I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and move on to our last quest marker for this evening before I get too rambly on the Kinect subject. Uh, <laughs> Microsoft uh, is actually going to begin selling wraps for your Xbox. Um, this will be specifically for the Xbox series, of course. Uh, instead of the face plates or skins for the console, Microsoft has announced the wraps for the Xbox Series X specifically uh, to offer a touch of personalization to the black monolith that dominates some entertainment centers. Yes, the wraps are. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the wraps are tailored, uh, tailor made of silicone print material, and adhere to the Series X via Velcro fasteners on each end of the wrap. Uh, Microsoft has. Uh, revealed three different designs so far, which include the Arctic camo, the mineral camo, and a Starfield design in preparation uh, for the upcoming launch of the game in September. Each wrap will cost $44.99 and will be available on November 10th for, uh, for purchase through the Microsoft Store, and pre-orders are now available. Ooh. I honestly think this is a cool evolution of the faceplate. Um, it, it's better than your, your your typical console wrap that um, you know you just stick onto the system. It sounds like it is going to be a little bit more than necessarily silicone. There is like a, a screened like cloth material that's tied to it, but it's very light. It, it's breathable for the system, and it's swappable. You can change it all the time, just like the face plates. Exactly. Yeah, and it brings me back to those days of the uh, old Xbox 360 faceplates that you could change out and such yeah. too. You know, but this time instead, you don't have to try to uh, pull something off the front of your Xbox and you know potentially break it. Yeah, pop pop the uh, little uh, feet off the uh, plugs, and then you have to have a piece of plastic rattling on, around in your system until you take it apart. That's always fun. Yeah, exactly. But. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of console skins. I don't use them because, well, I, even D-Brand, it's, it's not a big thing, you know. But the fact that it, it's replaceable, it doesn't leave any film, it, it's easy to put on and take off, that I think is, is the, big, uh, the big deal breaker, the big one that makes it cross the line that if I, if I were to get a Siri, Series X at this point, heck yeah, I would probably start collecting these. Yeah, I'll probably end up picking up the uh, Starfield one when it drops. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I would imagine um, when and if I get a Series X, I'll, I'll, I'll try and pick up at least the game-exclusive ones. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that is it for the quest markers for this evening. So I will let you take it away for the end. All right. So with that being it for the quest markers, that is it for the weekly news roundup for the week of August 25th, 2023. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining with us and sticking around, of course, given that we've been off the last couple of weeks. Of course, if you like what you're listening to, be sure to go subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We are on some of the big one out, big ones out there. You might know them as Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, you name it. We are probably on it. If you're not sure if your platform is supported, go check us out on our homepage at anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast, and you can find all the platforms we are on there. With that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode. We will catch you all in the next one. Laters.